We welcome the Holy Spirit. Today is Pentecost and we're so glad that we can celebrate the presence of God's promise, the Holy Spirit. Let's give the Lord a clap offering as we welcome once again the Holy Spirit and know that He is everything to do with this church, everything to do with His people. You may be seated for a moment. Welcome to everyone, those that are here in person and those that are watching from across the world. It's such a joy and a privilege for me to once again introduce Pastor Suresh Cherian. He's the pastor of uh, Highland in India and of course churches there in the Middle East and uh, many parts of India as well. It's a great joy, particularly what we heard last Sunday. So thank God he came in early this morning from his trip and be able to come and though tired, still able to minister the two service. So I welcome again this morning, Pastor Suresh Cherian, give the Lord a clap offering. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. Once again, I count it a joy and privilege, and I'm truly, truly humbled to be here because this church means a lot. And I want to thank you, church. I thank uh, the trustees, Pastor Subhash, everyone, for having me here uh, last Sunday and this uh, uh, morning, too. We are flying out tonight, and uh, hopefully I would be in Dubai, and I will be sharing the word at our church in Dubai. And then I would be going heading back to my home state, Kerala, in India. I know that today is Pentecost Sunday, and I will continue on with uh, what I started last Sunday, and I would be touching on a very important person in our life, the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to go through the word pictures and, and metaphors and analogy uh, to describe uh, the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned last Sunday, the Bible is full of word pictures, images, metaphors, and analogies, and uh, the letter is for our soul, but uh, the images and pictures and the Bible is full of them, is talking to us in our spirit, in images. And uh, this morning I want to continue with that. Uh, let me go back to this theme. Uh, Isaiah 35 and verse 1, which I took last Sunday. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose, or as another translation says, as a saffron. And for this morning's uh, meditation connection with uh, Isaiah 35 and verse 1, I want to read from Isaiah chapter 31 and verse, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 15. Until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. Amen and amen. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Our gracious, loving Father in heaven, we have gathered together as a congregation in the precious, wonderful name, the strong name, the precious name, the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And we gather to glorify you, to praise you. And God, we just want to thank you for the word. You speak to us through your word. And we want to thank you, Lord Jesus. You became the word for us. And you walked on this earth. Thank you. For we see the word. We see the attributes. We see the goodness and mercy of the Father through Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord for what you have done for us on the cross. We also want to thank you, O oh blessed, sweet, gentle Holy Spirit, for your presence in our midst. And we acknowledge that you are the author of the word, you are the teacher of the word, and the best interpreter of the word. Won't you please speak to us through your word? We humbly beseech thee, 
in the precious name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. Yes, until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and a fruitful field be counted for a forest. You know, the words about that you find in verse 13. Upon the land my people shall come up, thorns and briars, yea, upon the houses of joy in the joyous city, because the palaces shall be forsaken, the multitude of the city shall be left, the forts and the towers shall be dense uh, for, forever, a joy for wild asses, a pasture of the flocks. It's a very negative picture. When we talk about thorns and briars, we find this is the curse man inherited because of the fall. And so uh, the devil is the author of all this. And uh, he gives us thorns and briars in the place of fruitfulness. And we've all gone through that thorns and briars when we find that we are not able to produce fruits. And I want to say this morning that uh, I want to leave behind one thing through this message is that uh, God is looking for something in us. And Luke chapter uh, 13 and verse 6, we find about the honor of a plantation. Uh, he spoke a parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereupon and found none. Right from the book of Genesis onwards, you find God expects something from us. He expects fruits. I want to say that uh, the ground is so related to human beings. Last Sunday I talked about God took the dust of the earth, formed the man, and he bent down, God condescending, bending down to breathe upon this dust of earth, and man became a living creature. And the Bible says the man was called Adam. And Adam comes from Adama, which is what is called ground, red earth. And so Adam was a, a ruddy man from the earth, and he was called Adama. And I must say that uh, we are God's soil. Just as man was put into the garden that was planted by God to care and to tend and to nourish the garden that it would flourish. And I think, when I read some of the commentators, and I agree with that, uh, the whole world was there, but God took a portion, a garden that he planted, beautiful uh, uh, trees full of fruitfulness, and he handed it over to Adam and uh, Eve later joined. And they were given the task of uh, planting trees, taking care of trees, that this garden would begin to extend and expand all over the world. And that is what God put man. God is interested in fruitfulness. And that was interested to man. But I want to say, we are still God's soil. He is looking for fruits. And uh, when I read my Bible, I understand the vital part of the soil is uh, water. I spoke last Sunday about uh, being in a desert or a wasteland or a wilderness. And uh, when we go through these desert uh, periods in our life, we realize that we lack something to the point we become so desperate. Those who have gone through financial breakdown, uh, meltdown, would understand what it is when we are in a desert and we see people having finance and, and we feel it much and we just want to pray, oh God, I want to be blessed to be a blessing. If I've lost uh, my reputation and my testimony, I would be in a wilderness, God, if I could be restored back. But the most important thing 
in a desert is when you put a man in a desert, he won't crave for money at that time. No money. No amount of money can help him at this point of time. In a desert place, there's one thing that you would want, and that is this word called water, water, water. And I'm talking about an analogy. Being in a desert, God puts people in a desert that they would thirst for water. And on this Pentecost Sunday, the Father gives abundance, not trickle down. Wherever you hear the word about the Holy Spirit, it's called pouring out of His Spirit to His soil, the human beings. And there are many reasons for that. And one of the major one is fruits, that we would bear fruits. In the upper room, our Lord Jesus, he took his disciples and before he left, he gave them depth of studies. And one of them is John chapter 15. He talked about fruitfulness, that you wear much fruit that God would be glorified. God wants us to be bearing much fruits. And they, later on, we find the Apostle Paul writing about in depth about uh, in Christ, we are fruit bearers. And so John 15 talks about the vine and we are the branches. And when we stay attached to the vine, there's something that happens. It's not we are manufacturing anything. Of myself, I can manufacture nothing except shame, sin, and helplessness. But when I'm attached to the divine vine, I receive the sap that comes in from the vine. And this is what, the, on this Pentecost Sunday, I want to say, we receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But there's a word for it, we have to drink it. We have to receive. It's just not enough being attached. And I want to say also one thing. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is that communion. And communion comes out of companionship, intimacy, that we receive the Spirit from the Lord Jesus Christ, the anointing that comes in, that we bear much fruit. And uh, so as I continue, I want to say that uh, wonderful analogy, as I mentioned about the soil and about Adam. And uh, let me say this, in the Old Testament, God has his timetable. And the timetable, nobody can alter it. We can have a lot of timetable, but God has his, and this is called the seven feast. The first is in the month of Nisan, three together, Passover, unleavened bread, and the waving of the sheaf, which is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And counting from the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, Leviticus chapter 23 says, uh, it, it is called Shuvat. We call it Pentecost because Penta means 50. Uh, Pentecost after 50 days, and Leviticus says, uh, seven, after seven, seven Sabbaths, you find uh, uh, 49, and on the morrow of the last Sabbath, 50th day, what we call, stand by itself, is called Pentecost, on the month of Sivan. Nisan happens, when the Passover happens, it's in the month of Nisan, which is a new beginning, and everyone has a new beginning when he has come to the Lord Jesus Christ, washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then we come, after that is the month of Sivan, which is a summertime, and this is the Feast of Pentecost, or, or as we call Suhat, which simply means weeks. On the 49th, uh, after the seven weeks, uh, and the morrow after that, Sunday is the Pentecost Sunday, when heavens opened. And all these feasts, all seven feasts, are connected to one thing, it's called the harvest. Every one of them is connected. Passover is connected with barley. Pentecost is connected with wheat. And then the, the last three feasts in the month of Tessary is connected to the, uh, the fruit, the grapes and all of them. And so 
on the seventh month is completion are the three that is yet to come. The others are over. Passover is over. Unleavened, Jesus became separated from the land of living. And then we find that the waving of the sheep, the first fruits, he become our first fruits. And on the uh, 50th day, the Pentecost came. And all this has to do with the harvest. And the last three of which we are living in will be the Feast of Trumpets when Jesus comes. There will be a tabernacle a thousand years with him. And then there is the Feast of Atonement. And this is the last feast is called the great ingathering. Ingathering of what? Ingathering of the fruits. Ingathering of the souls. This is a major theme we find as we are going into that time what the book of Revelation talks about. And so this is, we are heading for the great ingathering. And this is when the, the, uh, the latter rain comes more powerfully and more abundantly than the moderate rain in the spring. We are going through one of the greatest time, the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, where it's a powerful move of the Holy Spirit for those for those, for those who are thirsty for the Lord. The Holy Spirit comes to those who are thirsty. If we thirst and hunger, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. And we need to have a thirsting. You know, we can buy anything in the world. But we can't buy salvation. It's the blood of Jesus. This is priceless. We can't buy the Holy Spirit. We need to receive. We need to be thirsty for the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to say this also. Uh, in my reading the Bible, I realized in the Old Testament, it's the promise of posterity to Abraham, his offsprings. He was barren. But God promised him huge amount of children. And not only that, this very land, he came from Mesopotamia. He came from Mesopotamia into Canaan. And there, God promised him, this would be your land. And it is going to be a land of milk and honey. It's going to be a fruitful place. I'm, I thank God that God didn't tell Abraham, uh, I'm taking you to Canaan. Ah, man, who would want to go to Canaan? Mesopotamia is the land. It's called the Golden Triangle because you have the rivers, the great rivers, Euphrates. You have the Tigris, and it's a golden crescent, the great fertile land. And then you come still further down, it's Egypt. You have the River Nile. You know something? Canaan. Or Israel is 60 to 70 percent dry land. Did I say it right? It is a dry land. And God said, the day will come when this will blossom and bloom. The day is here. Go into the network and just type Israel blooming. Deep down south is where Abraham first came, Berseba. And still going down is the driest place. And the father of the nation, Ben Gurran, uh, he started reading the Bible, and he was the first president. He didn't even complete his term. He told the scientists and the engineers, make the desert bloom. And they said, we are not God. He said, it's written in the Bible, the desert shall blossom and will bloom. And he left Tel Aviv and he went and settled in Beersheba. You know, we are taken to Israel to so many other. I wish the next time I go to Israel, I want to go to Beersheba because this man revolutionized something. He went and settled down in a two-room uh, apartment, a small cottage. One room filled his library and one room his wife and he lived in a bedroom, and they had a small front room where all the dignitaries of the world would visit him. He was out there purely for one reason, make the desert bloom. Go into the network. They have made the desert bloom. Unknown to them, God had already dried down in the desert 
are water nerves. They connect it to the water nerves. What Israel is promising is, by 2030 and, and further on, they will supply entire Europe with vegetables and with the fruits. They are doing that already. Now they are saying we'll supply the world with it. This arid land is blossoming. That's not all. Some of the greatest inventions and discoveries are coming from this Negev. It's called the South Desert Land. Some of the, you know, out of all, 10 discoveries and inventions, the seven times, uh, the uh, four, five, six, and seven goes to this place, Bersiba, where they have incredible institution, uh, growing fishes, uh, technologies, wonder of technologies, the inventions that are taking place because God promised it. But I want to say in the spiritual, this is going to be the greatest fruitfulness for God's people if we are prepared to receive in humility. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was people and the place. In the New Testament, it's all about the people. In the Old Testament, it was a temple in the sacred spot in uh, what was once Mount Moriah, and then it became part called Zion. But now, wherever people are, that person is a temple of God. The Holy Spirit doesn't come into the innermost chamber of the temple. He comes upon people who are the temple of the living God. And the Holy Spirit comes upon people, not on the land, not on the temple of Solomon's temple. Now, in connection with that, let me read to you from Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 11 and 12 says this, this way, the land, whether you go to possess it, it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. Note that word, rain of heaven. It's just rain. But why is it called the rain of heaven? It is an analogy of the Holy Spirit coming down. We are talking about the land. But then it comes more vividly, it is the Holy Spirit coming upon the people. Just as I read to you Isaiah 32 and verse 15. And let me continue. A land which the Lord thy God careth for. He cares for that land. But today, his eyes are upon you, O church. And that's not all. It says, For the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. We are talking about this place called Canaan. God cares for Canaan. If you and I, we were living in, in that place in that time, you know, the, the New York and the Paris and the Zurich of that time was Egypt or Mesopotamia, or one of those islands, one of those land in the uh, 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 Chad. But, but this, who cares about this place? Insignificant place, a place called Canaan, where wild people were living. And God took Abraham dead and said, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless this land. What it tells me is that God can take anybody's who are nobodies, and God says, I'm going to put my care upon you, I'm going to put my eyes upon you, that you would be the most fruitful person. I'm going to take the wasteland and the desert and the wilderness, and I'm going to turn it into a field of harvest. And I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to take this harvest and make it into a forest. I'm talking about super abundant harvest. And this is to ordinary people. If he can use Canaan, he can use any place. If you can use nobodies, he can still use nobodies even today because we might be just dust of the earth, but we have something. We have the breath of God. And when we have come to Christ, we have the Holy Spirit priceless presence of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, billions of dollars cannot buy that. 
That's what he has invested into the soil. And when he invested into the soil, he is looking for fruits. He is looking for fruits. He is not going to put it into a dumb and say, look, you can take it and do what you want. He is a producer. And he is looking for gains and profits. But who is going to be benefiting it? You. Adam and Eve were stewards of the Garden of Eden. Who was benefiting? Adam and Eve. It belongs to them. God is the owner. God said it's yours. And the same way, he has washed us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This is Passover. And the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes to put that sap into us. That we who are attached to Jesus Christ will receive that sap that the branch would produce multitudes of fruits. You and I are that sap, uh, are that branch. And if the branch is cut off, we are dried and gone. But if we are in union, if we are yielded to the uh, branch, we have communion. That is why the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the communion, that communion we can have with the Holy Spirit that we continue to receive the sap, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. All that the price that we have to do is we have to receive. What did I say about that land God is giving? Let me read that again. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 11. The land which you go to possess, it is a land of hills and valleys and drinketh water from the rain of heaven. What is the quality of this land? Drinks in, drinks in. It, it's not the Paris of that time. It's not the New York of that time. It's not the great cities that have name. They had one quality in that. Being in the desert, they were thirsty. They drank of the rain from heaven. This morning, I want to ask you, do you want to drink the rain of heaven? Because this is the greatest dispensation we are living in. And God is looking for that one person, be it a man or a lady, be it a child, if they're hungry, God just pours out His Holy Spirit upon that person. That is just one quality. I need, I was telling this morning's service, when I was in the desert, I never had this thought before. I never. But when I was in the hospital, I was thin, like a living skeleton. I was bald. And I'm looking at the guys who took me to the hospital and looking at everybody. I'm not looking at their size of their valet. I'm looking, man, that guy's got a good body, you know. Ah, he's got a great body. Look at that lady out there, vibrant. This morning I was looking at the dancers, so vibrant. They were dancing, oh my, there's such vibrancy in them. So you begin to notice because uh, we might lack that. And this land lacked water. There's no thing about money. They wanted water that would turn the desert into a fruitful land and turn the fruitful land into a forest. Can you get the picture? Oh, I want to tell you, it's because of this person who gives us his anointing. And he's called the Holy Spirit. On the 50th day, the Holy Spirit came into, not upon the land, upon the 120 people came upon them. And something very particularly unusual about them was that uh, they began to speak in tongues. Tongues plays a very important part. I'll come to that. It plays a very, very important part. And so it says out here in, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 12, it is a land of hills and valleys. You know, we, we wish we'd, our life was very smooth. Oh, you know, see that guy, he's smooth. I'm going to, you know, yo-yo. Thank God, because you're going through something that the smooth guy doesn't have. God has designed you that you will 
go through, not somehow, but triumphantly. And the beauty about the hills and valleys, I think Psalms 125, they that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. As the mountains uh, uh, surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. It's a land of mountains and valleys. And when the rain falls, something happens. The water hits the, the hills and it begins to enrich that place there. And then it drips down to the valleys and this is the most fertile, luxurious place where all kinds of plantings happen. And when the rain falls, the valleys take the entire water. It's the land that drinks in water. It brings out the most luxurious fruits and vegetables. That's the beauty about this land. And so, thank God for our deserts. Thank God for our hills and our valleys because when he begins to pour out the rain, we are going to receive. And not only that, it says in verse 12, a land which the Lord careth for and the eyes of thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end. Now let me say, water is very vital in a desert place. And when you go through the land of Israel, uh, it comes in many ways because it is an arid land. You'll find the first thing, we never think about it. But you know, the father's blessing for the firstborn was taken by who? By Jacob. He was an opportunist. We can call him a cheat, but Esau didn't care for the spiritual things. He was for the flesh. But this man, he was a very cunning opportunist. But he took. His brother didn't want the firstborn's blessing. And you would have thought that his father is giving tons of money, tons of gold. Oh, no, nothing of that. It's worth more than tons of gold. You'll be surprised. It is the dew of heaven. Can you say that? Dew of heaven. Dew is the picture of the Holy Spirit. Do you know in the Bible? Let's go through the blessing. The first mention of uh, dew is in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 27 and verse 28. Now, I'm quoting the blessing of uh, Esau, uh, I mean of uh, Isaac, blessing uh, Jacob. Well, let, let me say verse 26. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now, kiss me, my son. And he came near, that is Jacob, and Isaac was, uh, 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 is thinking this is Esau. And he's giving him the firstborn's blessing. He came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him. See, the smell of my son as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed field. Therefore God give thee the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Not some. What, what does it say? Plenty. Why? Because he has blessed him with the dew of heaven. And because of the dew of heaven, there is the fatness of the earth. You know that? The dew. When you spend time in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit puts such an anointing upon you that you become fat. You begin to grow fat. You begin, in other sense, it's a word, a picture of being super abundantly blessed. You want to receive that blessing? Take it from the Holy Spirit. He is the cause for that fatness, of that richness. He wants to bless you. This is a word for blessing. And when you are in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit puts such an anointing upon you. You become fat in your spirit. You become fat in your intellect. You become fat in your physical. You become fat in the material. Why? That you would be a blessing to others. That's what God wants you to be. And so as we continue, let me go on. I talk about the dew of heaven. The second thing I want to talk about is uh, when, uh, what, is, what is something great about that land, that piece of land that Jebusite had occupied and uh, David took Jerusalem from the Jebusites. When we read the entire thing, you'll find, you go into the map, uh, every Bible will have a map, and you look into the city of David, you can't miss this. There's a small portion marked Gihon. It is the Gihon Spring. 
And it is from this spring that water is supplied to the city of David. And it is this water that goes into Shalom and then goes into the uh, rituals that takes place in the temple. It is in this water, this is the water that uh, the priests use in the temple. It's called Gihon. Gihon means bursting forth. Bursting forth. Even if you still go, you'll find water being burst out. Not in that power, you'll find. And you'll have to go and see that Ezekiel tunnel. It's an unforgettable thing because this is what you call the Holy Spirit being channeled into the city to be a blessing. I went and saw in Israel, I studied this, all this, and I said, I want to see Gihon. They just, I said, no, I want to take time because this is a picture of the Holy Spirit being channeled, water channeled into the city. And I want to say, you can be the channel to bless your church, to bless your community, to bless your city. I want to be a channel, a tunnel of blessing. And that is why David conquered Zion. And it, from then on, you hear Zion, 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 because of Gihon, Gihon, the spring. Israel is not blessed with water, so there is the dew that continuously waters in the daytime. And this is Isaac's blessing to Jacob, and it is to the children of Jacob. Their land is blessed because the dew, because it's, it's a, it is a very sunny climate, but the dew is what makes that land fat. And then, apart from Gihon, you have what we call the third most important blessing is the Bible talks about. Uh, Jesus talked about it. Rivers of living water will flow out of you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit who has not yet come in. in I'll come to that, John chapter 7. Uh, it's holy land uh, doesn't have the natural blessing of uh, Mesopotamia. Iraq is blessed with the Euphrates. The Tigris, it's powerful river, and that place is fertile. Egypt is blessed with the river Nile that blesses that land. You come to Israel. There's a small, today it's a small stream, but though still it is much bigger, it is called River Jordan. We know of Jordan because our Lord Jesus Christ was baptized in River Jordan. But do you know what Jordan means? The other day I was in California, I was with my son as he was pitching in the Silicon Valley among millionaires. And he was pitching and then I came across a girl and uh, he seemed to know everybody and he says, Dad, meet Jordan. So I looked at her, your name is Jordan? She said, yes, yeah. I want to tell you, you've got a great name. She said, yes, it's Bible. I said, do you know what Jordan means? She said, no. I said, descending. She looked at me as if it's not a powerful name. I said, you know what? Let me give you a history, geography of Jordan. The biggest mountain in Israel and the only snow-clad mountain is Mount Hermon. It is, uh, you'll find Lebanon and Syria. It's a northern part. And at the footsteps of uh, this uh, hill of Hermon, where our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of people think it is, it is another mountain, Tabor. It is actually in this mountain, but then he walked to uh, that place uh, you find uh, in Caesarea. This is Caesarea in Philippi, and there on, beyond that is walkable distance is Mount Hermon. And this is the only snow climb, this highest peak, the snow, you know, uh, the Israel has the highest peak, the Mount Hermon, uh, it's not the highest peak in the heaven, but the lowest place is uh, the Salt Lake. It's the lowest one in the whole world. You must understand, when the snowclad melts or when the rain comes, it comes rushing down, and this is called Jordan. It just rushes down. Why is it called descending? Descending because... River Jordan is a blessing to all those who are willing to humble themselves. Jesus Christ is described is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 onwards. He humbled himself. He emptied himself and came to nothing. And he went right down. And he didn't do it because he didn't need a sinner's 
uh, baptism. He did for righteousness sake to tell people, in heaven, I've humbled myself, I've left all the deity, I've come down and taken the form of a flesh and of a servant, or rather of a slave. And in Jordan, it's a word picture, you find him descending. And Philippians says, God has lifted this name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow down. Every tongue shall confess, whether in heaven or anywhere, Jesus Christ is Lord. And if we are his followers, we need to remember that if we need that river of the Holy Spirit to come into our life, we need to descend. We need to humble ourselves. We need to be emptied that there would be the more of the Holy Spirit and less of self, that we would be channels of blessing to peoples and peoples and peoples. You understand what I mean? Jordan is a place that blessed people. It blessed You'll find Jordan right from the time of Joshua when there was no flooding, and then you find Joshua in the New Testament. Joshua simply means humbling, descending. And this is a stream that blesses people. It might, might not be great like uh, what happened in Mesopotamia or in Egypt like the Nile, but this is sacred. And our Lord Jesus Christ descended into River Jordan. And so rivers are very important where the Bibles are concerned. And when we come to the rivers, uh, I want to say that uh, uh, rains are what also floods the rivers. When it's a rainy time, uh, the, the Jordan begins to swell. You'll find that in Joshua. It begins to swell. And uh, God told Joshua, take the Ark of the Covenant, let it go that Jordan will split, and they took it. It was in the year when it was raining, and the floods were overflowing the banks, as something incredible happened. So you'll find Jordan mentioned over and over and over again. It's a word picture for us to understand, are we willing to bow down? Are we willing to humble before the Lord? He's going to fill you and he's going to make you go out and be a blessing to people. Let me say something about the, the uh, rivers. In, in uh, Joel, oh, well, we have to speak on Pentecost Sunday. In the book of Joel, you'll find in Joel chapter 2 and verse 23, it says it this way. Where is Joel? Uh, Joel chapter 2 and verse 23. Uh, it says, Be glad, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he had given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. In other sense, we are talking about the moderate rain, the former rain that happened on Pentecost, but it's going to happen even greater. We are going to see it in these times. It's going to be the latter rain. This is the time of the latter rain. And then we go on to verse 28. Uh, Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. You find, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now, now that analogy is getting more clear. It's not now the land. It's we are talking about people. It shall come to pass that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. When I was thinking I'm going to die of cancer, this word blessed me. Why? Well, you know, I'm not young anymore. <laughs> uh, when you grow old, your dreams fade out. But when the Holy Spirit comes, it says your old man will dreams dreams. Am I speaking to anybody old? You know some of the greatest inventions are done by older people? I think God is going to do some big things to older people because you're going to dream dreams you have never dreamt of. You know, when you're old, what dreams are there? What are the dreams? But when the Holy Spirit comes, comes, the old man shall dream dreams. 
and your young people shall see visions. I told you visions come out of the word. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, Genesis chapter 15 and 1. And so young people who are taking the word, visions will come up, visions will come up. My son, I'm not boasting, it's just the grace of God. Uh, I've come because uh, he's taken me to California, to Silicon Valley, to Sacramento, he's gone to all, he was meeting people. And uh, a day for yesterday night, there was a Pakistani gentleman who wants to invest two million into his vision. He's helping people all over Africa, India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, getting them jobs, and uh, in a very difficult time. He developed an app, and you would have thought he's a top techie. You'll be surprised to know he never went to a technical college. He was doing his BBA, Bachelor in Business Management. And it was in this great university, it had the wonderful books, and somehow the Holy Spirit downloaded upon him ideas and concepts. And he began to take in and take in and take in. And when he was in one of the great uh, uh, Emirates, he was looking after that digital, the app got developed. He went to his CEO and said, I've got this app, could you all take it? He looked at him and said, he, he's a British guy, he said, Samuel, are you crazy? This is worth, it's a million dollar idea. Why don't you use it out? So he left a good job and started out. The favor of God came upon him. United Nations asked him to come and speak there. The World Bank asked him to come and speak there. He's an advisor to the World Bank. At that time, he was just 27 years old. And today, he's been invited by the top accelerators in the world to come down and they want to fund them with equity. You give a small percentage, we are willing to give you hundreds, thousands, millions. What am I saying? It is God who gives you these visions. God gives you these visions. You're supposed to be a young man, young woman of vision. Stand up. Oh, child of Zion, stand up. Stand strong and tall. God wants to pour out His Spirit upon you that you would be a visionary. And so, uh, this place, uh, God wants, uh, uh, you shall, it shall come to pass that I will pour out my Spirit upon flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see vision. And this was made again when Peter addressed on the day of Pentecost. You know that. In Acts chapter 2, we find it. In Acts chapter 2, verse 14 to 18, the same thing is mentioned. It says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as you supposing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that it shall come to pass in the last days, said the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams. What am I talking about? Is this to a batch known as prophets, or a few people called visions, or dreamers? It is for every one of us. There are a class of people called prophets and prophetesses. But this is for everybody, this particular thing. You know, let me say in connection with that, uh, in, in John chapter 7, it's a very powerful verse uh, uh, in, in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 7, it says, um, 30, 37, isn't it? Yeah, 35? Yeah. Which is that? 37, yeah. I've got it on John chapter 7, yeah. 37. Uh, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, if any man thirst. 
are you so desperate? Like you are in the desert. God, I thirst. If any man thirst, let him come to me, said the Lord Jesus Christ. And what? Drink. He that believeth, I want to say the key word is trust. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his body shall flow rivers of living waters. It's like the Gihon bursting out. It's like the river that comes from Mount Hermon just bursting out. And how does a river flow out of you? Oh, I thought it's only for some prophets, some prophetesses, some visionaries, some apostles. I want to say, the first thing that happened when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, 120 of them, we don't hear most of the others, but it fell on all of them, and all of them were used powerfully. It happened in their tongues. They began to speak in tongues. Unknown tongues, yes, perhaps. But uh, the most important thing is uh, living waters flow out of your tongue. Words, the first thing that God does when the Holy Spirit comes, Isaiah, when he saw the glory of God, he said, I am unclean. And God said to the angel, take the coals of fire and put it on his tongue. And he became a prophet. What you speak is so important. We are seeing day in and day out bad news. Cuss words, curse words. Child of God, speak blessing. Speak hope into the dead situation. Speak God's word into situation you find is impossible. Prophesy to the dry bones. Prophesy and say, these bones shall live, these bones shall live, these bones shall live. Dead businesses, prophesy and say, it's going to live. Prophesy to the churches that are dead and say, these churches will live. Don't close, because others said, it's finished. Prophesy. Rivers of living water shall flow out you. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit touches your tongue. Number one, you will be a worshiping person. Why? Why do I say it? Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 is so important. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 14 says, it says out here, uh, I'm sorry, did we get it right? You know, the fruit of the lips. 15? By then, therefore, let us offer, the, that's Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Fruits, one of the most important fruit that comes out is from your lips. God has called us to manifest his praise and his glory. Your tongue is so important. I was telling this morning, you know, precious ones who have gone before us, our parents, our loved ones, uh, we can have so many photographs of them, however colorful, however good they look, there's something we will always miss. Our ears miss the voice of our dear ones. Many people will call you by many names, but only your dear ones will call you by that name with the voice of love. You will miss that voice. And in the midst of multitudes of people, God is waiting for your voice that comes from your heart sacrifice of our praise through our lips. He has made you to be prophets, priests, and kings. Amen. And we are a nation, a kingdom of priests to our God. And to be a kingdom of priests, our tongues must bring fruits. That is a sacrifice of our lips. When everything is going wrong, when you are in the desert, begin to thank God. Give Him the praise. 
You are created for that because you can turn your wilderness and your deserts and your wastelands into a fruitful garden. It's on your tip. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. We are created in God's image and God created things out of his spoken words. You have that power. You have that power. When the Holy Spirit comes, you begin to bring life and blessing. I hear so many mothers saying, oh, to other children, you are not worth four cents. And when the child goes up, well, that's the picture you have given, four cents. Or you can say, 50 cents or a dollar. He is worth millions. And what he has been sold is the power of the tongue that has cut him. Speak life and blessing. Amen. Speak life and blessing. And let me continue on to say, the Holy Spirit uses us to bring a blessing to the people. And then another thing the Holy Spirit does is in Luke chapter 24, and let me close with that. Uh, Luke chapter 24, and uh, it is in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But you tarry in Jerusalem until you'd be endured with power from on high. Until you are clothed. That's the Jewish Hebrew word. Till you are clothed. You might be putting on some garbs that the world has told you, you know, you're beggarly elements. You're a useless element. God comes and put a robe of righteousness, a robe of salvation, a royal robe and says, you are that. You are endured with power from on high. You could have a skinny guy coming over and he puts his hand up, all the traffic stops. Yeah. This guy, he looks like the scarecrow, but they obey him because he's got policeman's dress. You've got the robe of righteousness. You're the son, you're the daughter of the king of kings and the lord of lords. He's put it upon you. And I want to say it's power, raw, raw power upon you. When the Holy Spirit comes, you are endured, clothed with power from on high. Another thing about the Holy Spirit, you find in John chapter 14, and, and this says, yeah, I'll close with that. Yeah. My brother told me, don't make it too loud, I won't give you a chance. <laughs> so I'll come back. I'll close with this. John chapter uh, John chapter 14 and verse 16. It's that word called comforter. It says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Uh, there's no proper translation. That word could be advocate. The word would be one who's standing alongside you, alongside you, no matter what way you're going through, he is going to help you if you ask him. And I want to say the Holy Spirit is the best advocate for you. The Holy Spirit is the best comforter for you. The Holy Spirit is the best friend for you. This is the Father. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's come down in the Spirit to bless you. And on this Pentecost Sunday, I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is here to bless you. Are you willing to humble yourselves? Are you willing to say, God, I'm so desperate. I'm so thirsty. I'm so thirsty. Let me close with what I said. Uh, Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 15. Until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high, the wilderness will be a fruit field, and the fruitful field shall be counted for a forest. Uh, I feel it in my spirit. If we will all stand, raise our hands and tell him, uh, somebody can come and lead us uh, on, uh, oh, I'll just sing it, we'll just lift up our, we'll just lift up our hands. Just humble ourselves. Let's be as desperate, as desperate, as deep of them. Sweep over my soul, sweep over my soul, sweet spirit, sweep over my soul, my rest.
just as calmly as I stand at thy feet, sweet spirit, sweep over my soul. You know what? The wind comes. It comes to refresh us. The oil is called the Mashaya. And that simply means the oil that gives massage upon us, that you would be regenerated, you would be revived, you would be living. There's a fresh wind coming into your life. There's something fresh that's coming in. There's, there's water that is going to flow and bring life into the desert, that there would be fruitfulness and not just field of harvest. It's going to be a forest for you. You've got to change certain images let the holy spirit put a new image into you because you are extraordinary you're worth countless what countless money can't buy you're worth it because you've got the spirit of god in you yes receive say god i am so thirsty for you i'm so thirsty for you i drink of you this morning you are here holy spirit i drink Oh God, I want to be refreshed. I want to be revived. I want to be, oh God, reliving again, oh God, with the fatness, oh God. Bless your people this morning, I pray. Bless your people. Lord, we just humble ourselves, oh God. Let it flow, let it flow, let it flow. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the word of the Lord. To learn more, please visit our website, highlandny.org, or our Facebook page, Highland Church, New York. Until next time, may God richly bless you.